As Karen comes up to read the scripture, and she, she said it earlier, she said, I can't wait to hear how you incorporate this into your message. I'm going to leave it there for now. The reading today is from the book of Mark, uh, chapter 11, verses 12 through 14. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree and a leaf, he went to see whether, perhaps, he could find anything on it. When, it came, when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. He said to it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. Holy wisdom. <laughs> Holy word. So it's, it's been an interesting 10 weeks, and I just want to walk through some of this with you. And that scripture, that scripture has been one of the most consistent pieces of confirmation. Because from almost the first Sunday that we were together, and just a reminder that we were together every Sunday, with just a couple of exceptions, um, evening from 5 to 6.30, and then we shared dinner and then went into youth group from there. And it was really basically the same group. So what was that scripture? Jesus walks up to a fig tree and is hungry. It's not the season for figs. He goes to try and find one. He gets a little angry, and he curses the fig tree. And my favorite line in this is, and the disciples heard him. <laughs> so the question, and this, this really happened like the first Sunday night. The question was, there's Max back there going, <laughs> right? Am I right? Every single week, right, Max? Every single week. Why did Jesus curse the fig tree? So I want to ask you today. Why do you think Jesus cursed the fig tree? But before we get there, what I committed to these guys is that was going to be the scripture that was acted out. Are you like the conscience of the group standing out there making sure that I'm going to do what I promised? You probably are, yeah. And, and so I, the deal that I made with them is uh, that, was, that scripture was going to be acted out uh, in both services. They just weren't ready. You weren't ready. So, no, so, so I said, here's the deal I'll make with you. I will preach on that scripture sometime in the next six months and allow you guys, and have you guys, not allow, have you guys act out that scripture, and then we'll figure out what it means. Those are the kinds of questions that were constant with this group. This group wanted to know. They wanted to explore. They wanted to ask the really hard questions. And so... We did. So here's a few examples of that. Week one. What is God? I want you to think about that for just a second. And how would you answer that question? But what was amazing to me is the way they answered the question. And they answered the question. For some, it was, I don't know yet. For others, it was, it's... God is not some figure sitting on a throne with a long white beard with a big book of judgment in front. God is an essence. God is a power. 
God surrounds everything, is in and through everything. These kids are 14, 13, 12, 15, 16 years old. That's not done. God and sin. What is sin? And it was interesting, they were standing up there and we asked them, you know, what was your favorite part of confirmation? And Elise Browder goes, when you say sin and make it into five syllables. But they talked about sin and we split them into groups of girls and groups of guys. And it was interesting to see both the consistencies and the differences in how they viewed sin. And one of the major things that came up was anything that displeases God. Do I need to mention again that these guys are 12, 13, 14, 15 years old? Anything that displeases God and anything that hurts another person or the earth. Sin. If I was to ask you what is sin, I keep wondering what our answers would be. We talked about the Ten Commandments, and one of the things that I asked them to do, and I just ask you to do this in your head for a second, we, ought, we talked about community during that week, and the Ten Commandments kind of became that, that central piece of community. And anybody memorize the Ten Commandments? Anybody who can quote them right now, Betty? <laughs> no, okay. No, it's okay, you're good. Um, the Ten Commandments deal first with God. shall have no other gods before me. shall not make graven images. You shall not use the name of God in vain. And we talked about the power of God and that, by the way, using God's name in vain does not mean swearing. That's not what that is about. It is about trying to take a power that is so great and place it in a cursing way on someone else. And, and they got it. Honor your father and mother. They struggled with that one a little bit more, but <laughs> they didn't really. Um, but then the rest have to do with community, don't they? Thou shalt not steal, covet, commit adultery. Every one of those is the death, is a death of community. And again, one of the questions they asked was, so it's not just about doing just those things, anything that causes a death in a community of relationship, anything that causes harm, is sin. Then I ask them to try and turn them into positives. And you know what? You can't. You can't. And they need to be foundational for us if we're looking to the greatest commandment, which says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. What is it that is creating community. Here's some other things that, um, that we talked about. What is a Messiah or a Savior? Why did God need a Messiah? What is prophecy? Who was Jesus? Why was he such a surprise? Where do we fit our stories in the midst of God's story? Why did he do what he did? And again, they got it. We talked about being disciples and what that meant and what those early disciples did. We talked about sin as separation, informing God, and then being made new by asking forgiveness. We talked about the church's role in the midst of all that. Their role with you and your role with them. And that is 
to help understand what true forgiveness may be. We talked about... <laughs> this one is what blew me away. We, we, we talked about Wesley's three graces. Do you remember what they are? Don't you answer that question. <laughs> Prevenient grace. The grace that goes before us of God wooing us into relationship. Justifying grace. The point at which we decide that we will become followers of Christ and commit our whole lives to it. And justifying grace, those things that take us deeper and had them do some assignments about what is it that takes us deeper in our faith. And again, guess what? They got it and they did it and they took it on. And it was amazing. The one that blew both Jen and I away was, and you saw that if you were at the retreat in a bizarre way, but the quadrilateral... Wesley's quadrilateral. And many of us have forgotten this information, but these guys have taken it into their hearts that, that everything we do is based first and foremost on Scripture. And that what we do is try and emulate the traditions that we've seen, not tradition as in second service, traditions that we saw in the early church and the practices of giving everything so that this ministry might continue. To then experience and open ourselves up to those kinds of experiences and you heard three or four of them say the retreat and I'll explain that in just a second but that we experience this grace we experience this faith and the more we open ourselves up to it the more we can experience it and God gave us a brain for a reason and reason is the fourth piece of that quadrilateral and they would say things like okay so it's okay to doubt Yeah. It's okay to question. Absolutely. It's okay to continually search this out and not have all the answers. Yep. Other than you, Pastor Brad, because you have all the answers. Yep. (laughs) Not really. But here's what solidified the whole thing. As we sat around the campfire on Saturday night, and we went out to teepee camp, which is a, a, a long ways away from the... Huh? Sure, that's fine if you can do it, John. Um, we went out to teepee camp, which is a ways out of the camp, of the main camp of Lazy F. And Cora, our daughter, and Ryan Bresky had already gone out and kind of began and built the fire, and they became a part of this as well. And all 15 of the confirmands went out, and the whole point of that was to talk about making a decision. But prior to that, even, what we did was I simply asked them, will you share with each other the gifts that you see in each other? I want to, again, I know I keep saying this, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16-year-olds. My initial perception of doing that, and I've done it with another confirmation class a long time ago. This is the younger, this is a younger confirmation class, is that they would say one or two things to each other. Well, friends, they said a whole lot more than one or two things. Every single person around that circle of 19 people, 19 people if you count Cora and Ryan and Jen and me, every one of them were able to identify a gift or two or three in every other one of them. It was overwhelming. And the most overwhelming point was 
Jake Hampson, who is autistic. And, you, you know, and Jake didn't make it easy on some of us at some times. But this group shared from their hearts about the gifts that they see in Jake. I happened to be sitting right next to his sister, Carolyn, and began to hear her begin to whimper and then begin to weep. And as finally the circle went around, she said, I need to say first, I'll get weepy. This may be the first time in Jake's life that anyone has ever said anything positive about him. And to hear it from every single person, she said, is totally overwhelming to me. And it's why I want to become a part of this community in a deeper way. I wanted you to hear that. That's what this group is. And to me, as I think about this, they are representative of what the church is and must be. Because the other thing we did talk about was acceptance. Acceptance. Who is welcome at Aldersgate? And I asked them that question. Who is welcome at Aldersgate? I know I shared pieces of this with you, but one of them raised the question, well, I don't know that I would welcome a murderer at Aldersgate. And another one, I was quiet, another one said to them, but what about that situation in North Carolina or wherever it was where a man walked into the church with a gun and the ushers came to him not to try and wrestle the gun away and then the pastor came down to him and talked openly with him about what is it that is causing you to do this. And out of that, what happened then was the whole church surrounded this young man and then began to pray for him. And then Nick said, isn't that the church of Jesus Christ? To be courageous, to be forgiving, and to help them into a new life. Isn't that the purpose of the Church of Jesus Christ. And of course, then we went into General Conference and homosexuality. And I asked them, is anybody really welcome at this church? And they asked, and this is how they were, they asked the question of, we talked about it, and it was, it was an incredibly rich discussion. And then I said, I'll tell you what, Let's stop for a moment, and individually what I want to ask you to do is to say yes or no on a small piece of paper and turn it in whether or not you would welcome homosexuals at Aldersgate. So they did. The other thing I asked them to do was think about the lessons that we've learned and the prayers that we've offered, and what would Jesus do? It was unanimous, yes. We would welcome anyone into this church. Then I told them the story of a young man in our church in Sunnyside. The first, the first to be arrested under the voyeurism laws of this young man who went around the malls and took pictures under women's skirts. 
I would not have ever shared that with a confirmation group, but they asked if I'd had some experiences with some of this. And so I shared with them about Sean. And I said, what would you do with Sean? And this was the other one that just blew me away. We would visit him in jail. If he got out of jail, when he got out of jail and he wanted to come back to the church, we would make sure that we would provide rules and people that would surround him so that he would not be a danger to anyone, but that he knew that he was welcome here. And those people would be men of the church who would build their relationship with Sean and help him progress into a deeper level of faith and understanding and the sin of what he had done. 12, 13, 14, 15, 16-year-olds who get theology and church in ways that I've never seen. And then finally, three of them, as we came to that point in our last session of confirmation last Sunday, three of them said, either two of them said, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I have further to go in my faith before I'm ready to commit to this. You talk about honesty, friends. And one, as I shared before, Claire said, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in all of the miracles and the higher power stuff. But I will tell you what confirmation has done. has taught me what it means to live a life as a follower of Jesus. She was a part of the message as an atheist in the United Methodist Church as a part of a confirmation class. And friends, we have now committed to them. We have now committed ourselves to them to continue to surround them with our love and our grace, to, to help to teach them to go deeper into their faith. But here's the other deal. They've committed to us to help us see the future of Aldersgate United Methodist Church and through their eyes. One of the reasons they chose and one of the most consistent things they wrote in their notes about joining the church was, I want to make a difference in the life of this church. Through this church, I know I can make a difference in the lives of others. And I want to commit to a place that I trust as much as I trust this church. That's what you have done. It's not me. It's not Jen. It's a combination of all of us that have created an atmosphere that allows these kids to feel as safe as they do and as focused as they have been and as ignited in faith as every single one of them is. And now we keep going. And now we keep going. I want to thank you for your support, for every knot that you tied in those prayer squares. But let's not stop here. Let's continue. Because we have a whole next wave of young folks coming up who now can't wait for confirmation. Will you pray with me? God, we do ask your blessing on each one of these 15. Whether they join the church or not is not the issue. These kids have explored faith and understanding of you with such courage and passion and integrity. What, what a privilege it has been to just watch all of this. 
they are asking your blessing now on this church. They are ready to step in to help lead this church. And they have ideas. And my prayer for us is that we be open to those ideas. Let us keep this going. All in the powerful name of the one that each one of us seeks to follow, Jesus Christ. Amen.